Colossians chapter 4 this morning, and I'm going to read verses 2 through 6, Colossians 4, 2 through 6. By the way, before we start, uh, isn't this Pastor Appreciation Month? I think it is. Um, I know another pastor that got appreciated, and I think we ought to appreciate ours. So when he comes out, give him a round of applause, okay? Or do it personally. Colossians 4, uh, 2 through 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray. Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would open up our ears now and our eyes and our hearts, that we might hear what you want us to hear. Lord, we just uh, pray for your anointing on Jackie. We thank you for him. Thank you for the, the diligence in presenting your word week after week. And just use him this morning. Help him to feel appreciated and deliver exactly the word that you want us to hear this morning. Just bless our time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, you guys are crazy. I always said uh, October October is the weirdest month because they do this pastor appreciation. Pastors get a month. Veterans get a day. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. It's not my favorite thing, but thank you for appreciating me. I feel appreciated. I feel super appreciated because Sally went into my office, opened up a bag of candy... And left it on my desk like I'm the one who did it. (laughs) So in case you go in my office and see a bag of candy, I just want you to know, we'll print, we'll run prints on that bag. I I bet that comes back, Sally's fingerprints on it. (laughs) That'll teach you, huh? (laughs) Okay, so anyways, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. And last week when we were together, we talked about this idea, right, that that it's not really, our relationship with Christ is not really about trying harder, trying harder, trying harder. It's about surrender. It's about really being able to surrender to the Lord and just lay me down. Because I got my ways and the things that, you know, the sin that so easily ensnares me. Whatever things that are our baggage. I want to lay those things down with Jesus Christ. And I want to utterly surrender and ask Him to help me be whatever it is He wants me to be. And that's how we're going to see... That surrender to Christ affects our relationship as husband and wife. We looked at that last week. It it affects our relationships within the family, between children and their parents. It affects our relationships at work with slaves and masters. And today we're going to see that it also should affect our prayer time and then our conduct. This attitude of surrender that God wants us to have. So when we see this kind of surrender in our life, what we should see is a commitment to prayer. When I'm surrendered to Christ, I will be committed to prayer. In Colossians 4, verse 2, it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So this should be the nature of our prayer. The nature of our prayer is three things. We want to be dedicated We want to have discipline, and we want to recognize the delight that it is to be able to go before God's presence. So as we come before the Lord, we say, okay, I want to be dedicated. I want to continue steadfastly. It means to be strong towards something. That that's really, it's really something that has got us um, 
There's something that we're passionate about, that we want to spend that time with the Lord. And, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunities that God gives me on, on Sunday mornings. Um, I'm able to get up early. I'm able to spend time with the Lord. Um, this morning as we were worshiping, was kind of a cool uh, time in, in the beginning of worship. So I could just pray. I just pray. And it's not me asking God for anything. That's not wrong. But that's not what it's about. It's about me seeking Him. Scripture has this idea in it, and, and, and I don't want us to miss it. The Lord says to His people all the time, Seek me, and you'll find me. But then we read in Romans where it says, No one seeks after God. But I, I read in the Old Testament, and I read in the Old Testament all the time, kings are saying to the priests, Bring the ephod here. I want to inquire of the Lord. Oh, I want to seek after the Lord. I want to know what should I do. Should I go this way or should I go that way, right? And when they were good godly kings, that's something they did often. So I'm trying to reconcile this idea in Scripture. What is he, what is he talking about? And oftentimes, and maybe you and I can testify to the same thing, when we are in dire need, when there are very hard things going on in our life, then it's really easy to pray. Because we need something. That's not wrong. We are to live our lives dependent on the Lord. It's okay. I, I, I don't in any way want to belittle that. We do want to bring our requests to the Lord because He cares for us. Cast your cares on Him. He cares for you. He wants us to do that. But He also pleased with us to just seek Him. That's the part he says nobody does, or few. The, the idea of just seeking him for him. Yesterday I, I called my kids, uh, um, well I don't really call them, I saw them. I didn't really see them. I don't know how this works. So, so they were online, and I was online, so I hit them up. And I, on, the, on the computer, I can, I can actually talk to them. So I, I hit them up and uh, just sent them a message. And so it doesn't happen very often. And so they answer back, hey, what's, what's up, Dad? And, and I said, I just want to tell you I love you. I was thinking about it, you know. And there's lots of times I call them and say, hey, I got a big box your mom wants me to get out for decorating. You want to come help me? And there's lots of times where I might say, my wife bought a big, crazy dump truck I got to fix. And so I call them and say, hey, come on over here and help me with the dump truck. And, but this time I just called and just wanted to tell them I love them. And I think that's an important part of our prayer. To just connect ourselves to God and say, you know, God, I love you. I just, I just want to know you. Help me see you in our worship. Or help me see you in the word. Or open my eyes to you. And the, the attitude that Paul's asking for is an attitude of continuous, steadfast, seeking the Lord. Yeah, there'll be something that comes up tomorrow or today or this afternoon that I'll need to hit my knees over and just ask God to intervene and be a part of. But... A few moments after that, it's okay for me to just want to talk to him. To just open up my heart. Here's the really cool thing. There's not very many human beings it's safe to do that with. There is one divine being it's absolutely safe to do that with. To just open up the real, whatever stuff is in you. He sees it anyway. And I'm not, I'm not telling you to go before the Lord and be disrespectful. I'm just telling you, you can tell Him what's going on. You can tell Him how you feel. And God, here's the really cool thing. God wants you to. He, he wants you to seek Him. I always go back to Hosea chapter 6 and 4 to 6. Hosea 6, 4 to 6 is this thing where God says, two things I want from my people, faithfulness and to know me. And that idea of to know God requires us to seek Him. No? I mean, that's the only way I know anybody. That's the only way. A hundred years ago, or close to that, I got a phone call from somebody I didn't know. Telling me someone I didn't know, as far as I knew, 
was in the hospital and doing their best to die. His name was Levi. And so me and Jason got up and we went to the hospital. And the first time we went, I don't think he was even coherent yet. He had pancreatitis and his diabetes was sideways and he was not in good shape. So we came in and we prayed for him and we watched over him and God worked in his life and he recovered. Then a a while later, Levi was at church all the time. He's always someplace in the church. And his sister came to me and she said, you know, my brother, he just really needs to plug in with you guys. Can you, uh," I said, oh yeah, for sure. So I go find him and I say, hey, why don't you come to Bible study with me? So... He started coming to that Bible study, and then pretty soon he came to another one. And then pretty soon he was here with us on staff, and now he's going to Mexico. But the only way for all of those pieces to come together, God ultimately orchestrates all of that. But the only way for him and I to have a relationship that we have now is for me to seek him. Now... That is how human relationships happen, right? Sitting next to Levi is his beautiful bride. Long time ago, Levi got this crazy dog. Crazy dog. Nuttiest dog ever. Tried to eat everything in the church. Oh, sorry. I forget. That's their children. I got to be careful. So, so anyways, he gets his dog. And, and lo and behold, this dog is attached to a person back in California. And they start talking on the phone and... How does that relationship blossom into husband and wife? He seeks her. She seeks him. Right? So in our human relationships, this is something that we can comprehend. So we need to know this is something that God's looking for as well. Continue steadfastly. Steadfastly. Continuing in prayer, seeking the Lord, being dedicated. Look, Acts 1.14 says this, All these, talking about 120 disciples, all these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So they're all gathered together. Now, what was the fruit of that prayer in Acts 1.14? Well, you have the day of Pentecost, right? Remember Acts chapter 2? The Holy Spirit comes down upon the disciples. We see them uh, being baptized in the Spirit, moving in power, speaking in tongues, people hearing the message in a variety of different languages, Peter standing up and delivering a message, and a lot of people get saved. 3,000 souls added to the church that day. Devoting themselves, all these with one accord, We're devoting themselves to prayer. Here's what you don't necessarily connect. That's probably 50 days straight. Praying. Just seeking the Lord. It doesn't mean 24 hour days. But 50 days being devoted to the Lord. God we want to see you move. Now what happens if God's people today are devoted in prayer like that? Well, all the things we, we are irked about or bugs us about our nation or all the things that bug us about our, our town or all the things that bug us about our neighborhood or our own families or maybe our own husband and wife. What if we were devoted to prayer? What, what would change? What would change in that regard? Now, did they stop? The Holy Spirit moves in power. The church blows up 3,000 souls in one church in Jerusalem. That's a lot of people, right? Well, is that that the end of it? Acts 2.42, listen to what it says. Acts 2.42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the word of God, fellowship, being together, to the breaking of bread, communion, and prayer. Well, they didn't stop. A couple more chapters later, in Acts chapter 4, they're doing the same thing. They, they're, fine, they're, they're starting to bump into persecution. And the persecution's coming, and so they're a little uptight about it. And they gather together in one accord, and they pray. Make us strong. And it's done. The rushing wind blows through the room, shakes the house. The Holy Spirit descends upon them. They're baptized in the Spirit again. And they have 
boldness. Every time the Spirit moves, not tongues, just so you know. The same words, baptism of the Spirit, the same flow, but the, the difference was now they're bold. Now they're able to stand in the face of persecution. How were they able to stand in the face of persecution? Because they were devoted to prayer. That's both seeking God's blessing and, and uh, that He would intervene in our lives for the hard things that we're going through and being connected. That's how we connect to Him. That's how we spend time talking with Him. Now, as we, as we understand it, again in verse 2, not only are we continuing steadfast, the dedication of prayer, but then we need to be watchful in it. That's the discipline of prayer. The discipline of prayer. Now, you remember when Jesus got together with His disciples in Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 36, He took them on that last night to a place I call Gatshmone, Gethsemane. And he took him to Gethsemane, and as he comes there, it says, Then Jesus went with him to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, those are the sons of thunder, he takes the two sons of Zebedee to begin to be sorrowful and troubled. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Remain here and watch with me. Stay here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed. And he said, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. So he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for a second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later. See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. The betrayer is at hand. So as they come to this place, Jesus knowing what's going to face them all. He's already told Peter, do you remember? Satan wants to sift you like wheat. So there's a, there's a day coming. Satan, there's a, Satan is coming for you, Peter. He's got, he's got you in his crosshairs. But Jesus said this, I have prayed for you. When you return, strengthen the brethren. So does Jesus know what's coming? But even though Jesus knows that, that the time is coming where Peter will betray him, right? Peter's going to deny he knows him three times while he's being beaten by the, the temple guards. And even though he understands all of those things, and he's encouraging Peter, saying, look, I've prayed for you. You're going to come back. There will be restoration. He tells him that long before it happens. But the night that it's coming, he invites him to pray. Come watch with me. Come pray. Be diligent in prayer. Be disciplined in prayer. And he tells us two reasons there in Matthew 26, 41. Two reasons. Why? Why do we need to pray? What, what's the purpose? That you might not enter into temptation. Now, Peter doesn't even know it's coming. It's not that Peter's going to be on his knees and praying, God, help me not to blow it here in a half an hour when all this stuff goes down. He doesn't know that. What is it that strengthens him? His connection to the Lord. See, when we neglect that connection, it, it strains. Come on, we know that happens in human relationships too. What happens when you don't talk to your husband or wife for a long period of time? Almost every person who's ever sat in my office and told me that they're going to get a divorce has had the, the lines of communication utterly break and there's no talking going between husband and wife. Or very little. 
And when that happens, there's no connection. And then they begin to separate, right? They get gaps. They, they start to impute ill will upon one another. And now they are ready to fall. It's no different for Peter. All Peter would have done in that place was just pray. He doesn't even understand. Jesus has been talking about, you know, bad things happening. But, you know, things have been going on pretty good for three years. He's not paid attention to the times when Jesus said that he was going to be betrayed and beaten and crucified and then rise again. They, they, they had a hard time hearing those things. So he's sitting in a place where he, he has an opportunity to connect with his Father in heaven. But... He falls asleep. Now that doesn't mean when you pray and fall asleep, you're bad. He didn't pray. This is the point of the story. It's not that Peter went and prayed. He went and they said, he wants us to pray. Yeah, yeah, sons of thunder are the same way. Yeah, yeah, he wants us to pray. Well, what do you think we should do? I don't know, I'm tired. Let's just take a nap. So they go to sleep. Jesus comes back and he wakes him up. But specifically, the scripture is telling us, guys, don't, don't fall asleep. Be watchful. Be watchful. Be disciplined in your prayer. All the time. Every day. Whenever it enters into your mind. Just pray. Just talk to him. Doesn't have to be some King James Version prayer. You know that, right? So the greatest prayer I ever uttered was at like four in the morning in a bush, in the middle of the woods, sure, absolutely certain I was being eaten by a bear. Absolutely certain. Me and Jason have our bows, and we're pitch, he has these brilliant ideas, pitch black, and we're, I can't see nothing, and we're, I mean nothing, and you can't turn a light on, that just doesn't work. Then the things you're trying to sneak up on see light. And they go away. Of course, when you trip over the tree, they do the same thing. So we're, this is why I think this is stupid. But, you know, I'm, I'm dumb and I'm not a good hunter, so maybe I don't know. So we're going pitch black. Now, somehow, we got off the path. And the next thing I know, we're in this giant thicket full of them berry bushes. You know the berry bushes? If you've seen bear poop, you know the berry bushes. And so I'm thinking to myself, as we're walking through the darkness, and I can't see my feet, I'm thinking, man, I hope I don't step on a bear. I've stepped on a deer before, and that's scary. Just so you know, it's possible. (laughs) Stepped on a deer. Never stepped on a bear yet, though. But I'm walking through this bush, and all this bear, and it's super dark. Yeah. And as we're going through... I'm thinking to myself, all I got is a bow. What do I do if a bear comes? Yell at him? <laughs> it's going to take me forever to pull an arrow out, stick it in the bow, draw the bow back. By then, he, he's already had lunch. <laughs> right about that time, two sage grouse bust up from under my feet. <laughs> do you ever had sage grouse bust up from under your feet? And the wings are hitting me everywhere, and all I hear is, and I'm being touched by something, and it's dark. (laughs) Shortest prayer ever. I didn't even get the help out. I just screamed, Jesus! (laughs) I told Jason, I was so thankful it wasn't something else. It don't have to be some long prayer. God heard the prayer, and he turned that bear into two sage grouse. (laughs) So, we don't have to do something elaborate, right? It's just talking to him. That's why Paul can say, pray without ceasing. You can pray all day. Just staying, keeping that communication, right? Between you and the Lord. Just, Just talking to the Lord. What's the problem? Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6, listen to what it says. It says, So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Now he's going to describe what sleeping is, okay? So this is the same Paul describing for you and I to be watchful. 
So what does it mean, this, this sleep? For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. So what is he saying? When we are sleeping, the idea of sleeping is that we just get our brains engaged in the things of the darkness. We get hooked into things we have ought to have turned from. And now we are spiritually asleep. We don't recognize the danger around us, just like a person wouldn't recognize the danger around them when they are drunk, right? When we drink too much, then what what happens? We find ourselves in a world of trouble. He says, rather be sober, put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about God pouring out His wrath upon us because we have in some way failed. The reality is He's ordained us to salvation. And as such, we need to walk as children of the day, not children of the night. That means there's a a new attitude. And part of that new attitude in our surrender to Christ is being dedicated and disciplined to talk to Him. To just have our spirits open our our minds open to talk to him and then finally in verse two i know you're wondering will we ever get finished he say be dedicated continue steadfastly be disciplined be watchful and then delight do it with thanksgiving because you know how incredible it is that you are able to enter boldly into the throne of grace once upon a time, there's a story of Esther. You guys remember the, the story of Esther? In the story of Esther, she's, she wins a beauty contest. I'll, I'll give you the, the, the VeggieTales version. She wins a, a beauty contest. She becomes a queen. The other queen, you know, not so good. Things haven't worked out for her so well. Because if you approach the king and you don't do everything the way the king says you ought to do it, and he don't like you much, he just kills you. Well, that seems bad. Well, the queen just waits around for the king to call on her. So she just hanging out in the palace, whatever. And Mordecai, her uncle, is saying to her, You know, Esther, maybe it's for such a time as this that, that God's brought you here because the Jewish people are in trouble. There's another guy who's trying to, to kill us all. He's got a scheme. And so maybe if you could just go to the king and tell him about it. And she's like, go to the king. The last person went to the king. What well, didn't work out so good. I'm supposed to wait here for the king. So she decides, she says this. I love this line that she says. She says, she says call the people to a fast, three days, three nights. And I'm going to go see the king. And if I die, I die. That's a pretty cool line. Somebody ought to put that in a movie. <laughs> right? So they fast. She goes before the king, and the king opens his throne to her, and she's able to make her request, and the Jewish people are saved. That illustrates in, in the human world that it's, it's not, it was not a given that everybody could just go to the king. But you get to go to the king of kings, lord of lords. Once upon a time, people could only go before the King of kings and Lord of lords with a sacrifice. But now Jesus Christ is that sacrifice. So you can enter boldly. You can come before his throne. We ought to be thankful for that. That the way is open. That now you can just talk to God. That you can just be there in his presence. We ought to be able to do that with delight. Celebrating the reality that we can come before the Lord. Verse 3 it says, At the same time, Paul's asking, Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So what are they praying for? The need for prayer to open doors and to give us discernment. Anybody ever need an open door or discernment? Discernment means understanding what to do. Anybody ever wondered what to do? So that's, that prayer is our, our, our path to that. 
so that doors would be opened. God is the one that opens doors. And those doors He opens through prayer. In Acts 16, verse 13, it says, On the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside. Where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Right before that, Paul saying, hey, pray God open a door. Well, it wasn't a synagogue there in Philippi. So they go, say, well, we'll just go to the place of prayer. God has a woman there at the place of prayer whose house is going to become the first church. Her house will be the place where the church meets. God's the one who opens the doors. What's he opened the door for? He opens the door for the word, right? It's open on behalf of others. Not, not just for me. God opened this door for me so that I can be happy. But rather, open the door so that I might be able to meet the needs of others. Open the door for the word. In Romans 10, verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call on Him if they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? All right, now in Las Playas, the people who are being deported, Mexicans who are being deported from the United States who may not speak Spanish, uh, they get put back to Mexico. Mexico doesn't want them. The U.S. is putting them out. So they land in Las Playas where they have a variety of choices. You go to a life of crime, drugs, try to get back across the border. And right there in the middle of all that is this little church that's reaching out to them with the love of Christ. That's pretty cool. And Right now, in our midst, is a guy who's going to go there. How will he go? If he's not sent, how will they hear? If he's not there. Isn't that what the scripture is laying out for us in Romans 10? Yeah, they, they go. So that they might be able to share the word. We're praying that that door is open. Hey, I'd, I'd keep them forever. If, I'd keep them all forever if I could. But if you've been here for the last 10 years... That we say hello, people get grounded, and then we say goodbye as they go to Calvary Chapel Chalice. That's where Bob Papik is. Calvary Chapel San Ramon, that's where Brian Daly and his wife are. Calvary Chapel Jerome, that's where Fritzy is. They go. They go because that's the, the point. Calvary Chapel Kimberly, that's where Jason is. Las Playas. That's where Levi's going to be. That's where Amanda's going to be. How will they believe if no one tells them? So we're praying that those opportunities would be open so that they could know. So that they could know what? What is it that, they, that we want them to know? The mystery of Christ. Now we don't have to wonder what that is. The mystery of Christ, what's that? He already told us in Colossians 1.27. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The only thing you need to be everything you can be that satisfies every desire of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The only thing you need is Christ in you. There is nothing else. There's no other secret weapon. You got it. You have it within you. The Spirit of God, the same who raised Christ from the dead, He says, I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Everything you need is in Christ. We surrender to Him. And we see this life of prayer prayerfully blossoming so that God opens doors. And, verse 4 of Colossians 4, that I may make it clear how I ought to speak. 
Man, I pray that every morning, every day. It doesn't matter whether it's Monday morning coffee or whether it's Wednesday morning Bible study at my house or Sunday morning here or Thursday doing the Bible college class out in Gooding. It doesn't matter. Every time, I, I, every morning, Lord, help me speak what you want me to speak. I have spent my life saying what Jackie wants to say. And it has not always worked out good. It's not always been something anyone's ought to hear. It's not always been graceful. It's not always been the things that God wants it to be. So I want to pray that when the moment comes, when that person is standing in front of me, when, when that thing, the, the thing of that day that I don't even know what it's going to be. I don't know if it's somebody going to walk through the office and needs gas. I don't know if it's somebody I'm going to bump into on the street. I don't know if it's somebody that's going to call me on the phone. I have no idea, but I just know this. God, help me say what you want me to say. And that includes, Lord, help me not to say what you don't want me to say. I, want, I just want to rely on Him. I want to be led by His Spirit, right? Isn't that what we want? So we're praying. Why are we praying? We're praying that God opens a door for others to be able to hear the Word, right? So we want to see that. We want to see God, hear, we want to see people hear the Word, and we want to pray that we have the right Word when it's time. Okay, Lord, you open the door so that they can hear the Word. Now, Help me share the word. Your word. Your word. I always love, I've been in a million arguments. Anybody like to argue? We should get together for coffee. Uh, I love arguing. I love arguing about the word. I love arguing about theology. I love arguing about politics. I, I don't, it doesn't matter, really. I'll argue about football. I don't know why. Uh, I don't think my parents are like that. It's just the ornery. I don't know. But, I, but I, I, I really love to argue. But, and, I, and I don't mind if that's what God wants. Because sometimes God wants you to tell somebody, no, that's not correct. That's not always easy. But I, I want to have the right word for the right time. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just, just His word. Now, listen. Oh, you say, well, how do I know? How do I know? How do I know? Listen, you prayed. And the words you shared, you believe God give it to you. I can tell you how you don't know if you didn't pray. Right? If I don't, so... I'm surrendered to Christ. I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend every day, every moment. I will pray in the moment. when I've had somebody angry at me. Maybe their, their spit is flying all over my face while they're yelling at me. But before I say a word, Lord, I only want to speak your word. Well, I don't have to do that. I can just spit back. The world's full of people doing that. Congress is doing that. All the politicians are doing that. What happens if somebody stops? Lord, I just want to speak your word. Whatever your word is in this moment. We need discernment. We need discernment. So we're surrendered. We're surrendered to Jesus Christ. And we want to see prayer flowing through our life. But that's not the only thing. We also want to be surrendered to Christ. So that our conduct can be seen by the world. Right? We're supposed to be children of the light. That our light would shine. People would see that. Right? They'd see that light. We want to be a witness. We want to be able to be a witness. So what does he say in verse 5? Walk in wisdom. Toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. And let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you might know how you ought to answer each person. He's, he's telling us when we're surrendered to Christ, what does our conduct look like? Well, first of all, it looks like people who are willing to walk in wisdom. But it's specific, right? This kind of wisdom, walk in wisdom toward what? Outsiders. Well, what do you think that means? Well, it's not a trick question. It's not overly complicated, right? 
who walk in wisdom with outsiders, unbelievers, people outside, can be even people outside of of your immediate family. But the idea, look, I want to walk in wisdom. Now, how do I walk in wisdom? The book of Proverbs tells us how to walk in wisdom. Did you know that? The book of Proverbs tells us how to walk in wisdom. And you know that the book of Proverbs, when it begins, describes wisdom as a person. It says that wisdom was with God in the beginning. John 1.1 1, 1 says, and the word was with God in the beginning. Oh, interesting, no? Jesus Christ, God the Word, is also the wisdom of God. The, the Gospels bear that out. In fact, Jesus, with his own lips, says, I, the wisdom of God, sent prophets to the people. So, so we have this idea, I want to walk in wisdom. Well, then I've got to walk in Christ. Well, how am I going to walk in Christ? Well, Christ is in me. Hallelujah. I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. So I have everything that I need. I just need to surrender. See, the, the rub is, I get in the way. Have you ever got in the way of something you're trying to do? I get in the way. Me, my desires, my goofiness, my whatever, uh, you know, it just gets in the way. And so it, it's not a voice of, of condemnation. It just means, okay, then, then I need to pretty consistently be reminding myself, surrender, surrender, surrender. Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I'm yours. What is that called, by the way, that I'm doing? That's prayer. It's dependence. Constantly having to depend on Him that, that He gives me what I need for the moment, right? So that I can, so that I can walk in wisdom toward outsiders. I want to walk in wisdom. I want to have Him. I want to know Him. And do what? Making best use of the time. Now listen, this is not the, the thing that says, oh, I went fishing. I messed up. I should have been on a corner somewhere witnessing. That's not what it means to make best use of the time. Make best use of the time or redeem the time means that moment that you're standing in front of the outsider, that moment where there's an unbeliever in front of you and you want to have the right word, that moment that you have a connection with somebody and the door's been open and the opportunity's been laid out, that's the time you want to redeem. Use it well. Does not mean that you can't go fishing. Jesus went fishing for crying out loud. Do you know that? You know that when the disciples all said, you know what? Jesus is, Jesus, I'm going fishing. Remember? They all go back fishing, John 21. And they're out fishing all day and they don't catch nothing and they see a guy on the shore. Do you guys remember? They see a guy on the shore and he says, he caught any fish? And they say, no. Like, when does that ever happen? No, not caught any fish. Okay, well, cast your nets on the other side. That's the craziest thing in the world to me, by the way. Because it's the same water on the other side of the boat that's on this side of the boat. Do you know that? Okay, look, it don't matter when you're in a boat how hard you cast that, that lure. You throw it as hard as you want. Do you know where it ends up when it stops sinking? Under the boat. Do you know where the net goes when you fling it? Same place. Same place. Last I checked, moving the net five feet. Uh, but they catch more fish than you can imagine. Why? Because they're obedient to who? Turns out that's the Lord on the shore. Peter puts on his cloak. This is also the crazy thing. And jumps in the water. I would have done that different. I might have took it off and jumped in. But John is so kind to always share with us the goofy things that Peter does. He tells us Peter puts on his cloak, jumps in the water, swims to the shore. What's already at the shore? Jesus has already cooked fish. He already had them. Oh, how'd he get them? He went fishing. Come on, don't make him snap his fingers and have fish appear in the fire. No. He went fishing. How many times early in the morning did Jesus withdraw to pray 
And as he prayed, how many times do you think he sat on the edge of that hillside and watched the sunrise? Just to look at the beauty of creation. You don't think he did that? There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. That's not what redeeming the time is. But while you're enjoying life, and God gives you a person, redeem it. I want to use the right word at the right time. I want to share the right thing. I want to be the right person. I want to redeem it. Ephesians 5.15 says, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Right? We want to, we want to walk with wisdom. We want to walk with Christ. Making the best use of our time because the days are evil. Man, there are... I, I have no idea how many times in my life God has, has orchestrated. There was one particular situation where we're here at the church. It doesn't always happen at the church. But we're here at the church and a person comes to the door. And uh, they, they look a little uh, frazzled. And uh, they say, well, I just have some questions. And they say, I'm, I'm dying of cancer, I, I could die at any time. Um, really, doctors aren't sure how much time I have. And I've been, you know, talking to all these churches, and I just can't seem to connect with what's true. Now, redeeming the time is saying, well, let's sit down and talk. Saying, well, call me back next week. I have an appointment open for you. That's probably not redeeming the time. You get what I'm saying? So I sat down with this person and shared with them the love of Christ. It resonated with their spirit. They called on his name and were saved. And two weeks later, they were with him. Redeem the time. Redeem the time. Do you know that God is big enough? To bring to you or your neighbor or the person sitting behind you people who want to connect with him. You know God's big enough to do that? I like to have a view where God's big and I'm not so big. So God's big and I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to screw it up because he's bigger. Right? So I want to concentrate on the positive. The positive of saying... Man, when that moment is in front of me, I want to have the right words. How do I have the right words? Because I pray. I pray, and He's given them to me, and now I can share them. I want to redeem the time. I'm walking in wisdom. This is our conduct. I'm redeeming the time. When God brings that person, when that opportunity comes, when that phone rings, and that person I haven't talked to in 20 years, and my heart is saying, you felt it. My heart is saying, tell them, tell them. Tell them. Redeem the time. Redeem the time. The days are evil. I don't know if there will be another phone call. Right? So we want to redeem that time. And then, not only that, let your speech... Here's a word that we all need to write down. Always. That's a very complicated word, right? Right? Always means... Always. So when is it that my speech, when I'm speaking to people, ought to be gracious? Oh, crazy how that is. It is really not as complicated as we make it out to be, huh? Now, specifically, in context, he's talking about those opportunities, those people walking with outsiders, walking in wisdom, having discernment, having prayed, being surrendered to Christ, and taking, taking full uh, uh, advantage of the opportunities that God gives. And when you do, let your speech be always gracious. That means filled with grace. That is an unmerited favor. Let your speech always, all the time, be gracious. Well, gosh, I wonder what he means by that. Well, I'm glad you asked. Because in Ephesians chapter, chapter 5, no, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, he gives it to us. So in Ephesians 4, 29, it says, Let 
This is the opposite. This is the negative side. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Wonder what it means to always be gracious. Oh, here's the other side. Don't let anything corrupting, anything dead, anything like, you know, Kathy's gone at the women's retreat. A lot of women are gone, right? Like 80 women are up there. It's crazy. We need to pray for them. They come back. Because I'll starve to death if they don't. <laughs> so, so just so we can be clear, I will eat anything. Just thought I'd start with that. Corrupting is like this, we got this big chunk of cheese at home. Still in the fridge. I don't know why. I I didn't want to throw it away just in case I want to do it again. But it's so good and it's spicy and it's hot and it's covered in mold. Now, Kathy would throw that away. But, but Jackie looks at it and goes, dang, surely it's not all bad. Right? So, there's, so I just chop off the, the moldy bits. There was a few large pieces of cheese that had to go away. And then I sliced that cheese, you know, and I, and I melted it. I, I, this is what I like to make, a, just in case you're hungry too. I take a sausage patty, you know, and fry This is breakfast. Fry it. And then I fry egg. And then between the egg and the sausage, I put this hunk of cheese. Man, it was so good. I just did not quite taste right, you know. <laughs> I've had that a lot of times in the morning, and that was just, let's say that was a little fouler cheese than, than I want to admit. That's corrupting. Don't let your talk be corrupting. Don't talk like rotten food. You probably shouldn't eat rotten food either. But if you pray and Kathy comes back, I'll stop eating rotten food. She'll throw it away. I might go back today and put it on my burger, because... There's still a little of that cheese left, if the mold hasn't overcome. I told you how to get over moldy bread before. you guys remember? Put it in a toaster. Can't see it. It's not there. <laughs> it's way easier than driving to the store and buying another loaf of bread. This is why God gave me Kathy. So I want your, great, your speech to be gracious. Not corrupting, right? Not, not rotten food. This is good food. But only such, here's he's describing it, only such as is good for building up what fits the occasion so that it may give grace to those who hear. That's how we share with others. You, you with me? That's, that's the context of what's going on. Walking wisdom toward outsiders, praying that God would redeem the time, that I'll share the right word in the right season in the right way. Okay, now as I do that, I want my speech to be gracious. I know it will be because I'm praying, God, give me the words, right? God, help me say what you want me to say. And even if it's a rebuke, it can still be gracious, right? Even if it's a rebuke, it can still be Something that is uh, um, anointed, right, of God. But, but I know, I'll, I can tell you. You say, well, how do I know? How do I, I, I can tell you right now. If you're mad, just shut up. Stop. Don't do it. If you're mad, shut your pie hole. <laughs> this is what I tell myself every time. I, can, I know I'm getting mad because my ears turn red. I can feel the heat out here. You guys know what I'm talking about? And then, and then, and then, uh, there's a lot of other things floating through my brain that needs to get out. And now I can't think. But, I can, but what I can think, I can't think about anything that's important. But what I can think about is all the things I want to call you. I can bring those right to my lips. So if you're mad, shut up. Just be quiet. Pray. God, help me not get mad. I used to get mad all the time when people ask me questions and 
like questioning me. You guys know what I mean? Not just asking me questions like, hey, how are you today? No, I didn't get mad about that. But, but people questioning me and questioning why and all this stuff, sometimes I would get mad, frustrated by that. So God gave me Jason. <laughs> and Jason has asked me questions for seven years. Like, that, that man will not let me, I do not get away with nothing. Let me just tell you. I, but you know what happened? What God did and all that? I stopped getting mad. And I find, I, so I'd say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. That's actually, man, that, what a blessing. What a blessing to help me, you know, by, by maybe rubbing some of the rough edges off, right? As we, as we, there's a little friction there. It was never bad, but it was just a little friction. But it gets rubbed off, and then I find out I'm not mad. So now when it happens, I... I'm totally relaxed. And I can remind myself, pray. Give me the right words. Words of grace, right? That build up and don't tear down. This is how we want to talk. He says, so he's, he's challenging us in our conduct. Let your speech always be gracious. A couple more things. Seasoned with salt, right? Seasoned with salt. That's a proverbial saying. Seasoned with salt. Jesus said this in Matthew 5.13, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall the saltiness be restored? What do you do with it? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out, trampled under people's feet. They throw it on the road so they get traction. I rode the motorcycle today, so I may need someone in front of me throwing salt on the road. So I have traction. <clears throat> the proverbial saying, I want my speech to be seasoned with salt. I want my speech to be gracious and I and I want my speech to be preserving and I want my speech not to be corrupting. That's all carried in that proverbial idea of salt. Salt kept your food from rotting. It was a way to keep things uh, uh, so that they would last longer, to be seasoned with salt. I want to maintain my saltiness. How do I do that? I stay connected to Christ, who's in me the hope of glory. Right? I'm surrendered to him, and that's why I want to cling to him. So we want to we want to understand then finally the last thing, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So I, how do I answer? What's he telling me here? We need to be controlled by grace, right? That means we're gracious toward this person. We want to be concerned about them, right? If you don't care about them, you're not, you don't care about the answer you're about to give. So I want to have the care and concern. How do I have that concern? Where, where does that come from? Romans 5, 1 through 5, tells me that the love of God is put in my heart by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which was given to me, is a guarantee that one day I'm going to be with the Lord forever. That same idea of Christ being in me, that same connection that happens in our surrender so I can be concerned about the person across from me, no matter what his views are. I can care. We need to listen. Listen. God said to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Shh. How many times when you're talking with your wife and she says something you don't want to hear, have you already started your rebuttal before she finished her sentence? I have done that a million times. And every time I do it, I hear God say, Shh, listen. Listen. We want to be careful to listen. And then over it all, overshadowing all of it, listen, we need to have no fear and to not be troubled by those that will oppose but rather, we need to honor Christ as Lord in our hearts. That's 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Set him apart in your heart. Christ, that's who, my, who I'm here to please. Set Christ, honor him 
My focus is Him. I want to honor Him by what I say. I want to honor Him by what I do. I want to honor Him by how I pray. I want to honor Him by how I'm a husband or a father. I want to honor Him. I set Him apart as holy in my heart. Always being prepared to make a defense. An apologia. For uh, I'm always ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you. For a reason of the hope that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Seasoned with salt. Let your speech always be gracious. So if I want that. I have to set Christ. Honor Christ. Set him apart in my life as holy. He's, he's my reason. He's the center point he's the hinge all the way through the book of colossians the one thing you need is christ in you the hope of glory surrender to christ and allow these things to bring forth fruit in your life amen why don't you stand with me let's pray Father God, we thank you so much, God, for our time, for the opportunity to study your word. We thank you for the truth that, that your word uh, uh, proclaims, God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we'd be challenged, that we'd be challenged to say, man, am I setting, am I setting Christ Jesus apart in my life? Am I honoring him? Am I honoring him with my speech? Am I honoring him when he gives me opportunity to share? Am I honoring him? Am I honoring him in my, in my speech, in my conduct, in my prayer, in the relationships with, between husband and wife or between children and, and parents or between employee and employer? Am I honoring Christ? Have I set him apart? It all, it all just comes down to this idea of surrendering to you, Lord, because ultimately when it's all said and done, you're the only treasure, you're the only desire, you're the only thing in all of everything that is worthy. You are worthy. So God, may we see Jesus Christ is our treasure. He is what makes heaven glorious. He is what makes this earth something that can be endured. He is what builds our relationships. He is what equips us to be and to do and to say the things we ought to say. It all comes down as Paul's closing off the the book of Colossians one more week but as he as he does he's he's it all lays on this hinge Christ in you the hope of glory Christ in you man God you knew me you know me but you still want to talk to me you still want me to call you still want me to be in your presence. There have been a lot of people in 55 years of life who have said, I don't want to see you no more. But it was never you. Lord, you told me that if I would surrender, you you make me better. I could be a better husband. I could be a better father. I could be a better employee. I could be a better prayer. I could be a better witnesser. I could be anything you want me to be. I just surrender. I come to you, Lord, like those knights of old. Drop to my knees before you. Lift my sword and say, I am yours to command. So God, I, I just pray that be our heart today. That you do a work in us, through us, by your Son, who is the one great treasure in all the world. So may we lay hold, may we apprehend all that you have for us. May we celebrate the 
blessing of being able to come into your presence with our thanksgiving. May we pray, seek you, know you, speak your words, and may we see our world change, our families, our neighborhoods, our towns, our states. For you, Lord God, are able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. Lord Jesus, I pray that you bless our time. God, as we close out this time, I just pray if there's anybody here that needs prayer, that needs to surrender, that needs a word from you, that there'll be folks up front that will help them pray so that they may find an answer for their time of need. God, we ask your blessing as we look to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.